everybody, this is Terrell Cummings, and this is episode 14 of the Always Relevant Podcast. We're glad everybody's listening today. We definitely appreciate it. And we have my friend, Dane DeMeo, back on the show today. He was on last week. He's back on again. So we're looking forward to a good time there. Uh, we're going to get into uh, the Big Ten Conference and college bowl games this year, um, the college football playoff and NFL wildcard weekend. So look forward to having him on the show. Looking forward to having good times. And hopefully you are too. So hope everyone enjoys it. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Terrell and I am here. Not with Dane yet, but I will be soon. Um, looking forward to today. It's going to be good times. Um, let me go ahead and start off the show how I normally do. I should ask Dane this. I'm not going to again. I'm letting him off the hook. How are you and how are you really? And I'm glad I'm asking this to myself. Maybe y'all are asking this to me. Maybe wondering how am I, how I'm really doing. So how am I? As always, doing all right. Uh, holiday season's coming to an end. So a little bit sad, but, um, you know, overall good. And how am I really? No, about the same. I was a little bit tired, got a little bit better sleep last night, so I'm feeling good there. Um, Copeland's a little fussy. She's teething, so I haven't been getting as much sleep lately, but overall, we're good. Um, Getting used to working shorter days at work. We're having days off, so I'm not looking forward to next week. Next week is going to be a grind. It's always the worst work week of the year for me because I had so many different days off or shortened days. So now it's getting back into the normal groove. So I'm not looking forward to that. But until then, there's been a ton of football on. And I've watched it. I've watched a bunch of it. I've slept through some of it, to be honest with you. Normally, watching football games, I would be up and watching every single one. Uh, this year, haven't quite done that. I've kind of picked and, cho- and chosen my different games that I've watched. Other than that, I've gone to sleep because Copa's been keeping it up at night, waking up with teething and not wanting to stay in her bed sleeping. So, um, but it's good. No complaints here. I'm having a good time. I'm glad I get a chance to, um, record this podcast and I'm looking forward to another good one today. So on that note, that's how I'm doing. That's how I'm really doing. Hopefully y'all are doing well. Also, um, my sports weekend, I think still kind of chill. West Carrollton, they haven't played yet cause they've been on break. Hanover uh, won a couple of games, so they're now eight and two overall. Men's basketball, um, Michigan football—they lost to Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. We're going to talk about that later on. Uh, the Bengals—they beat the Browns. We're going to talk about that later on too. Um, in fantasy football in the FanDuel league, I actually won the FanDuel league. I actually collected my money today. So overall, my fantasy football um, season. I am plus $1,800, so I think overall, it's a good season. Um, not in the hole, didn't lose money, and you know, coming out ahead, probably going to pay for uh, part of the vacation this year, so pretty happy about it. Um, Michigan basketball, they're overall 10-3, and three, currently ranked number 12 in the AP poll, number 13 in the coaches poll. University of Dayton basketball, they're overall 10-2, and two, currently ranked number 20 in the AP poll and number 18 in the coaches poll, so... I'm glad my teams are doing all right in basketball. I wish my football team was doing a little bit better, but you know what? It's okay. That's how it goes. They'll continue to improve, I'm sure. And until then, I'm still going to support them because that's what I'm going to do. And that's how it is. (laughs) 
All right, everybody. I think that he is on the line. Dane, what's going on, dude? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Just hanging out, having good times as always. So it's kind of crazy. You're here on the podcast. I saw that you got a, that you're out there on Twitter now. If it, anybody that knows Dane knows that he would he was 100 percent against social media for a long period of time. So. I well, I had to get on it. I mean, I have to find out who the next Browns coach has got to be. <laughs> Who's doing? I mean, it changes every year. I got to stay up to date on this thing. It moves quick. That's true. And it sounds like, uh, from what I've heard or from what I saw, the owner said that um, they're hiring the coach before they hire the GM, which I don't really understand that logic. But, you know, I guess whatever. Well, it didn't, it didn't work last time. They had Farmer and Petten before. They didn't get along. They both were equal and both reported to the owner that doesn't know what he's doing, and that's what you ended up with. And it looks like we're going back to that because it must be short memory or something because it's, it's been almost two years since that happened that, you know, we're going to go back to that model. Does Haslam just want control? Is that, is that what he wants? Just like he wants his hands and everything like he's James Dolan or what? I don't know. He's kind of like Jerry Jones light. No winning. Actually, a lot less winning, a lot of talk. So we'll see what happens. It's just crazy because, I mean, they have they do have some – I know they don't – you said last week you don't want to say they have the talent. They do have a little bit of talent on their team. They need some better coaching. But uh, obviously that was shown last week when they lost to the Bengals. <laughs> well, there was a motivation issue. I mean, he watched Joe Mixon running the ball last week. That, that dude, I hope the Bengals don't waste his best years because that dude can play. Yeah, uh, next so, year they need to be. It need yeah. to be all. It needs to be all Joe Mixon next year for sure. Like they always yeah. need to go through him. Yeah, so I mean that'd be great if Burroughs is the guy to have a running back like that to start. I mean, right. they're gonna have to maybe trade up and get one of them top tackles in the draft because that's a desperate need. Um, do you, oh, do you think that the Alabama tackle they drafted last year will be all right? Remember, he got hurt last year, but I heard he's pretty good. He's supposed to be real good. He was in college, obviously, so we'll see. There's some good tackles out there right now. The Browns pick 10th. I'm kind of hoping they get that tackle from Iowa. I forget his name right now, but 6'5", 320. He was Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year. Yeah, you that's can't what teach they, that. That's what they need. You can't teach that. No, nothing's more valuable in the NFL after the quarterback than the left tackle probably. Right, right. No, it's, it's so true, man. It's so true. Well, hey, if you think about it, though, what about those teams that end up drafting Tua? You know, he's left-handed, so you got to get that right tackle, and no one's used to playing right tackle. <laughs> yeah, you're one. right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I would be leery of picking him. I mean, obviously, he wouldn't be ready to go right from the get-go, from what I understand. Right. Um, we still don't even know if he's coming out. I think he said he's making that decision January 6th, I believe. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I don't know why he wouldn't. Like, if he's expected to be able to come back and play, you know, like, I wouldn't try to waste another year in college because he's been hurt both years he started, you know, pretty serious. He's had surgeries both years he started. I mean, if I was him, I'd probably go to the league and take my chances on getting on the NFL roster and going from there. Well, this decision's based on money. So he's coming out if he's a top 15 pick. There's no doubt about it. He wants to know from all the people you talk to if he would fall out of like that top 20, top 25, because as we talk about, the second round is a significant drop in money 
and length of contract. So, True. but yeah. what happens? What happens though? Like if he goes back to Alabama and gets hurt again, has to have another surgery. You know, because he's had surgery on both ankles and his hip. I think he has some other injury besides that. You know what I mean? So, I mean that that's well, yeah. He's got to come out. I mean, I think he'll get taken pretty high. There's yeah. There, you know what? It'll be interesting. We'll talk about this another time. I would hope. Uh, but the quarterback market this year, with all the long time long time quarterbacks out there going to other teams or contracts ending, be interested to see what happens with all that. Yeah, this this is the year to be a quarterback in the draft for sure. And I think, but I also think some teams might reach. Like I still don't trust the Justin Herbert from Oregon. You know, I just I just no. don't know. You know what I mean? No, we talked about that before. I mean, if you watch the Oregon-Wisconsin game, we'll get to the bowl games. His stats weren't nothing spectacular. He had three rushing touchdowns. But, you know, he only rushed for 29 yards on nine carries and threw for 138 yards and one interception. So, you know, he isn't lighting the world on fire. Right. No, that's true. I mean, he looks the part, though, because I know he's doing the coin toss, and he looked enormous next to the referee. I'm like, is the referee like 5'7 or what? Because – Herbert was like he's six seven, and chilling, but he's an impressive looking athlete. There's no doubt about it. Right, right. So, but like you said before, I know we're going to get into these these uh, college bowl games, and you know, Dan and I were from the Midwest. Anybody that's listening that's not from Midwest, we're from the Midwest. We're pro Big Ten, and uh, you know, obviously, we're going to take a look and see how the conference has done throughout the bowl season. You know, high expectations overall. Um, but unfortunately, the record was four and five. Um, you know, some teams d- came out and did what you didn't expect. Like Michigan State came out and showed up for sure against against Wake Forest, beating them 27-21. And, you know, they showed a little bit of offense that game. I was kind of surprised because, you know, for most of the year, it hadn't really been there at all. So, No, Michigan State looked good. Uh, Their quarterback, Lewerke, I think that's how you pronounce it, 320 Mm -hmm. yards passing, one touchdown. I don't know if he did that all year. Um, So it was a very impressive win. You know, Wake Forest's quarterback had three touchdowns, um, but he's transferring. So he entered the portal and he's gone. So I'm not sure what happened there. But, you know, Michigan (laughs) State, like we said, after a very poor season by their standards at 66, came out ready to play at Yankee Stadium and got it done for the big time. The quarterback from from Wake Forest, Jamie Newman, I guess he he's a graduate transfer. So he graduated from Wake Forest, and so he's transferred to another school. He just wants to see if he can come on and go to a big school. Or I mean, Wake Forest is a big school, but go see if there's another program he can kind of step into for a graduate year, which he might be able to because schools like Florida State, I mean, the struggle is real down there, you know, for them and Miami and a couple other programs. So. You know, we'll see, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Problems. Um, it's nice to have that Wake Forest degree, though. I'll say that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Great degree to have right there for sure. So, um, I don't know, look at the next game. Iowa came out and they put it on USC 49-24. You know, Iowa came out and just – they played Iowa football and they came out and I felt like they physically just put it to USC. And I, it didn't didn't help USC that the quarterback got hurt within like the first – was it within the first half of the game? Well, as the second half, what happened is uh, USC was actually making a comeback early in the second half of that game. But as soon as Fink got, uh, as soon as Slovis got hurt and Fink had to come in, the wheels started to come off. Right. Um, 
Iowa's defense, obviously, top of the line. USC was coming in with a lot of momentum. They're bringing their coach back. The players were hyped. And uh, game out in Southern California. And uh, you got to give Iowa a lot of credit. It was a big win. Stanley played the game of his life. Two touchdowns, 213 yards, you know, passing. Uh, Emir played the game of his life. Three touchdowns in the first half. I mean, rushing, passing, kick return. They came and played all three phases. Yeah, they were definitely – 100% 100% holding it down for sure. So, you know, I'm glad they came out and they showed up and they did what they needed to do, you know, and it looked good. So, you know, I was, I feel like I was always there. They're not, it's like, you know, they're not quite elite, but they're always going to give elite teams trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, any games. You say what? They won 10 games this year, I believe. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're solid. Kirk Ferentz, I mean, he's been there for what, 20 years? I thought he was, he was there when we were in college. So even before then, so I mean, he yeah, got twenty the, years. Yep, you've got the program. So you know, good for them. You know, good for them. They showed up. Next game, Penn State. They beat Memphis fifty-three thirty-nine. That was actually kind of a. It it kind of got to be a little bit closer game in the second half for a second. You know, I got worried about this game because Penn State didn't look ready to play at the beginning of the game. No, Memphis jumped all over them, and I was like, oh no. Because this is a game the Big Ten had to have. You cannot lose. I don't care if they won the American Conference. You're Penn State. You have to win that game. They shouldn't have even have got that game. They should have been paired up with somebody like Florida or Notre Dame. But they right. got Memphis, which is a no-win situation for a school like Penn State. But they were able to bring it on. I mean, Journey Brown, he's a beast. 202 yards, two touchdowns. Right. Um they just smacked them in the mouth like a Big Ten team should to an American Conference team with 396 total rushing yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, so. true, 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 true. Uh, I know next I have the Ohio State Clemson game, but we'll, we'll jump that game and we'll go to the Illinois. They lost to Cal 35-20. Not going to lie, I'm not surprised by this, but Lovey Smith, I think, has Illinois on the right track. They're going in the right direction. They're definitely competitive this year, and that's good to see. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's got a good thing going down there. And they may not be elite, but, you know, they're definitely, I don't think, going to be bottom dwellers anymore. And I think they're going to be competitive at least. No, that class is doing a good job. I mean, I think that was that class's first bowl game. Yep. They're playing in the 49ers stadium, I believe, which is a home game for Cal. Right. Uh, you know, it was a good game. I give Cal's quarterback a lot of credit because Illinois' defense was pretty good. He lit them up for four touchdowns. Um, give credit where credit's due. That was a game like you that I did not expect the Big Ten to win. Right. But, yeah, Lovey Smith definitely got a program that was in disarray moving in the right direction. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And speaking of disarray, Michigan, they they went out there playing Alabama yesterday, and they lost – I lost my notes for a second, but they lost uh, 35 to 16. And the thing is, and I kind of go into this a little bit more because you know, I'm a Michigan fan, obviously. First half, I thought they played pretty decent. Except for, you know, they gave up the big plays. You know, they gave up the big play to Jerry Judy, which he's probably the best receiver in the country. And that's one of Michigan's, you know, defaults, or one of their faults is they don't have elite speed at corner or elite cornerback so those elite receivers can beat them like Jerry Judy did and he's one of the best in the country so I'm not mad at that because kind of everywhere else in the first half Michigan was shutting down Alabama and they were moving ball up and down the field on them and they just couldn't score touchdowns you know they kicked two field goals in the first half and you know they should have had the they should have been up 20 or 21 to 7 for sure as far as everything and then Nick Saban said he went in and 
they made adjustments at halftime and changed it to they were playing a nickel because before Michigan was taking advantage of, of the mismatches of like their tight ends and slot receivers against linebackers. And so Saban went to a nickel, and all of a sudden Michigan stopped running the ball. They tried to sit back there and let Shea Patterson throw it, which he had been overthrowing receivers all day. And they got beat, like 100%. Alabama came out, took two in the second half, and I, I honestly think that's on the quarterback and it's on the offense coordinator on how he called the plays because he's sitting there, he's watching the game. He can see they're in a nickel defense. And once any team's in a nickel defense, why would you not run the ball? I don't get it. It's pretty simple. Well, you're right. You're right. Uh, watching this game, uh, it was close. Michigan actually held the lead for a while. Yep. Came down to quarterbacks. If you watch the game closely, Patterson had guys and he was missing them. Mm-hmm. The difference in the game is Matt Jones, who's played three games now, was yep. connecting on them deep balls. You know, look at the quarterback comparison. Patterson, 233 yards, 6.3 yards an attempt because he can't throw the deep ball. One touchdown, two interceptions, 44 rating. You look at Jones, 327 yards, 13.1 yards per completion, three touchdowns. The rushing, Michigan out actually outrushed Alabama 162 to 153. I mean, this is uh this is this, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I don't get it. Like anybody, any couch coach could see what's going on and you know, it's like the I don't know if the offense coordinator uh, got us if he panicked or what, but he's done this earlier in the year, and it's never worked. At no time in the second half when he just sat there and had Shea Patterson throw, has it worked? You know, it's like you see them, they're running the ball first half, they're mixing up, it's, you know, 50, 50% run, 50% pass, things are working out decently, and the second half they might get behind a little bit, and he wants to go straight throwing the ball, and you just can't do that. You can't – he has to stick to the plan longer than what he does. Or get a quarterback that can just stand back there and sling it on target. And that's not Shea Patterson at all. So No. But one other thing I wanted to touch on this game. What did you think about the uh, evil emperor Nick Saban punching that touchdown in with 25 <laughs> seconds left? Yeah. And then uh, Harbaugh trying to extend the game and trying to score a touchdown on the final play. Right. What do you make all of that? I mean, that was, that was all pointless to me. I mean – Saban, I don't know if you want to make a point. I don't know if Harbaugh did something to annoy him earlier, which is entirely possible. But, yeah, he de- he definitely, you know, punched it in when he could have just taken a knee. And um, maybe that's just saying, you know, SEC's over Big Ten or, or whatever right now. And maybe he's trying to make a statement that way. But, yeah, Harbaugh calling the timeout at the end. I mean, what's that going to do? You're still losing the game at that point, you know. I know you Both just say – game bad when things were going bad for Alabama did you see Saban's tirade on the sideline oh, yeah. where he destroyed the headset yeah he's losing his mind 100% so I don't know like it was it's whatever mis- it's disappointing for Michigan some Alabama's players that are going to the NFL didn't play you know Tua wasn't in there it yeah. was you know it, it's a game I felt Michigan needed to win yeah Michigan could have gone in I was talking to someone else saying that this is kind of low-hanging fruit for playing an Alabama team that Two defensive stars were sitting. Two was out. There's no reason that Michigan couldn't have gone out there and at least made it a closer game. But it was definitely a game where I that Michigan could win that game for sure. And I think they definitely wasted an opportunity with it. And um, you know, it's going to affect everything because I think if they could have won that game, they could have gone into the off season, you know, on some momentum because they did. It's it's still Alabama, regardless of missing players. It still be Alabama that had most of their team that was there. And they could have helped with recruiting. 
you know, could have just helped in a lot of different ways going into offseason, more on an upbeat note versus what they're doing right now, what they've done the past four or five seasons, you know, after losing bowl games. So, it's, it's, yeah, and it's, it's hard. Like, you know, Harbaugh, we're talking about, we talked about this, is, is doing well at Michigan. They're way better than they were before he got there. When you think of Michigan, you think of Alabama, Notre Dame, USC, Ohio State. What he's doing by those standards isn't good. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, like I said, I think it says last week, you know, Michigan, they're good, but right now they're not elite. And it's almost like fans, and I, I think Michigan fans, they, they're they falling into the fact that they still feel like they are elite, like Notre Dame fans did, and they're not. You know, they just, they're not. And they need to kind of get that through their heads right now is they're not, they're not an elite program right now. They haven't been an elite program since the early 2000s. You know, because they yeah, haven't won a big no, championship no, in a while. No. And they obviously haven't won that championship since the late 90s. So they, they just – well, I guess it's, it's tougher because they, it's Ohio State that's in their own division who is, you know, tearing up college football. Yeah, except for except for against Alabama or, or Clemson. But against everybody else, they're doing what they're, they're supposed to be doing. So, Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, and you look at Michigan, they're doing better or about the same as Notre Dame overall and a hell of a lot better than Texas. So, you know, not not in USC. So there are some of the blue bloods that are uh, not on the level in Michigan. It's just you talk about the game. It's the biggest game in college football, maybe all sports, and he's been getting hammered in that game. And uh, you got to beat your rival. Yep. No, I agree there. I agree there. So we'll see how it goes. But a team that's on the come up, how about Minnesota putting, uh, beating Auburn 31-24? Row the they, they, boat, baby. Row the boat. I, I love the line for the Big Ten. P.J. Flex got him believing. He has everybody with the oars out there rowing the boats and everything out there in the snow in Minnesota. You know, they're doing all right. And they look good doing it. <laughs> they look good doing it. They they're, did. They're throwing the ball all over the field. I do like the quarterback. That quarterback for them, he throws a nice ball. Throws well, really Morgan, nice ball. if you watch the game – you know, his numbers are pedestrian, 278 yards, two touchdowns, inter- interception. But if you watch the game, he makes throws when you need to make them. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, Auburn had one of the best defenses in college football this year. Their guys going to the NFL in the D-line played. And yep. Minnesota racked up 215 rushing yards on that. Muhammad had 20 carries, 140 yards, and a touchdown. I mean – and their offensive coordinator bolded because Franklin stole him out, out here in Penn State. Yeah. Uh, they and they first, still went out there and got it done. Yeah. But PJ Fleck, I saw, I read an article where he talked about, you know, he trusted the, the new offensive coordinator that he put in there, let him run the game, stayed out of it. And hey, he did well. And then they came out there and they showed what they can do. Now they have a lot of momentum going to the offseason. Like Minnesota's on the come up for sure, you know. And, that's tough to do, you know, up there in Minnesota. He's got new facilities. I mean, they got the new stadium. They got new facilities. They have a new coach. He's not new anymore, but, you know, he has them believing up there. And, you know, they're, they're making progress for sure. So I look forward to seeing them and um, and what they're going to look like in the future. Yeah, and it's a rough loss for Auburn because that coach, I believe, was on the hot seat till he beat Alabama this year. And losing to Minnesota is not going to look too good for him. Their offense just isn't very good. Uh, Bo Nix has some talent. They had 56 rushing yards. Think of that SEC team. We're thinking Auburn. We're thinking their history of running backs and stuff. 
and they come out with 56 yards against Minnesota, there's going to be problems there uh, very soon, I believe. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably at least be there one more year, though. But this coming year is probably definitely be the make-or-break year for him, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you got to remember one of their touchdowns was a 96-yard kick return. Yeah, uh, that's true. Offense isn't very good. No, I so, agree. I agree. Um, looking up next. And I'm going to get a plug real quick to the Minnesota offensive line, right? They yeah. average, what, 6'5", 345 pounds, and they push them Auburn boys all over the field. Hey, they, thing to watch. They, they look like a Minnesota offensive line. Like, hey, you think Minnesota, Wisconsin offensive lines, you think those guys that are 6'5", to 6'7", 320, 330 pounds that are pushing dudes around. <laughs> you know well, I mean? yeah, their so, left tackle 6'10", 400. I mean, that's a lot. That, that is a big dude. Can you imagine how against a dude 6'10", 400 pounds? He honestly mm-hmm. – like obviously you're you're banking on your speed, right? But still, yeah. like, if he gets paws on you, it's over. <laughs> if he just falls on you, it's over. It's like it's like Big John back in the day at Bojangles. <laughs> yes, it is. Shout out to Bojangles and Miamisburg. I was in West Carrollton, dude. Come on, shout West out to Bojangles, West Carrollton. Yeah, Porter. I don't even know where I was at. <laughs> Dane, Dane and I said many many times at good old Bojangles, and Big John was holding it down and breaking up fights and laying on people to break it up. So it was always funny. <laughs> and this guy would always have a job in this if the NFL doesn't work out. That's true. That's true. He has a similar build. <laughs> he has a similar build. But, yeah, no, man, uh, looking ahead, Wisconsin, they lost to Oregon in the Rose Bowl. Um, I think what was it they had Big 12 officials in that game. Because I feel like they let them I play. They were SEC. I think they were SEC officials, weren't they? I, or were I, they Big 12? Sure. I think they're Big 12, but I think they were letting them play. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't they weren't throwing the flag. Like, they were letting them be physical out there, letting hits happen. So, you know, they, they let them handle on the field for sure. And, like, a lot of the referees didn't let teams do that throughout the bowl season. So, I mean, that was good to see. Yeah, and Herbert, like I said, he came up with the three big touchdowns we talked about earlier. As someone who played defensive end, Wisconsin, as good as they are defensively, were killing me falling for his stutter step in and going out and not right. forcing him back into the defense. Right. Just kept happening. With a defense as good as them, and I know it's different when you're on the field and a guy who's 6'6 and moves like that's coming at you. But, I mean, you got to force the guy back in. If you miss, you got to miss to force him back to the defense. Right. That long touchdown run he had to seal it. That linebacker, I forget his name right now, number 57, was playing his game of his life. And then that one, yep. with an open field tackle and letting him get to the outside, that, that's rough. I, that's a game I felt like Wisconsin needed to have and the Big Ten needed to have. Oregon's good. They got some good skill players. Uh, they had a chance late in the game. But at the end of the day, their offense, when they get in these games against teams with real physical defenses, they just can't seem to make the plays. I mean, Taylor was a pedestrian, 21 carries, 94 yards, 4.5 average, but no big impact play. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. But is that, can that, is that contributing because they're more predictable because they don't have the dynamic quarterback or the dynamic receivers? Well, yeah, if you watch the game, Oregon had like seven in the box. I mean, they're just creeping up on the line. I mean, right. You know what Wisconsin's going to do, you know. That's yep. why Minnesota won and Wisconsin did it. The quarterback is key. Auburn couldn't crowd the line because Morgan will beat you. 
They know Co- the Oregon knew Cohen couldn't beat them, and that was the difference. Right, right. Nope, I, I agree with you, hundred percent, hundred percent. And lastly, IU lost to Tennessee. Oh. They were winning. They were up like thirteen with five minutes left in the game, they and they lost. Tom Allen, you are a great coach. How do you let give up that onside kick? Why is your special teams not ready for an onside kick in a game like that? I think there was like four minutes left. Yep. You can't just assume they're going to kick it back to you. I, I just can't. And then the defense just gave it up like nothing. Gave it up so quick, Indiana actually had a chance to come back and win the game. Yeah, it is crazy how it all went down. They should not have lost that game. They had it. They shouldn't. They had it won. And now this kind of salvages Tennessee's season. After going 0-2 at the beginning, everybody was running their mouths, talking trash and everything. You know, Tennessee ended up respectable. You know, so yeah, good for Tennessee because their season started as abysmal as any season could start with some of the losses they had. But right. they really turned it around. I truly felt after Indiana had that pick six for a touchdown that that was going to be it. Indiana's defense was going to hold. Yep. I mean, the numbers are staggering how even this game was. I mean, Indiana had 227 yards receiving. Tennessee had 278, I yep. believe. You know, uh, oh, no, two, uh, 200, yeah, 238 Tennessee had uh, receiving. Uh, rushing was 76 IU. Tennessee was 136. I mean, it was a game of weird stuff that makes a difference when teams are that evenly matched up. And uh, there's no excuse for that onside kick, just right. none. No, I agree with 100%. It should have happened. You should have prepared for it. Uh, you shouldn't have lost the game. And that's just it – was, it was rough to see that for sure because I thought they had it wrapped up and won. And that's what I get for thinking. So – but like I said – matter. I mean, look at Mississippi State. They fired their coach after losing to the Bill in that game. Well, These games that, matter. That and the fact that he like his team had off-the-field issues. I guess the school wasn't messing with that anymore. So – they got rid of him because I guess one of their linebackers and the quarterback got into a fight and the quarterback didn't play in the bowl game because he had a, a fractured orbital bone. So obviously he took a punch. It didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. So more heads out after two seasons and that's that. So, Hey, how about uh, Ole Miss though? They got rid of their coach and they were mad about it, which I talked about a couple weeks back on the podcast. The, the Ole Miss players are mad that they got rid of that coach because they felt like he – he was turning the program around, had him in the right direction, and they fired him or whatever because they weren't winning fast enough. But who they well, get? I, they got, so that's year three, right? That he he that was the end of his third year, correct? Yeah, end of his third year. But he had like a he he was dealing with the whole Hugh Hugh Freeze debacle after Hugh Freeze got uh, let go because of I think he tried to hire an escort or something like that on the phone, like in on Ole Miss's campus. Some yeah. Speaker. Something stupid. So it was dumb. And, uh, you know, the Mississippi schools, you know, those that's almost – it's not as bad as being Maryland and Rutgers, but you know what I mean. You're going to have to really, like, I mean, really Dan get the right guy. Right. Like Dan Mullen's the right guy for Mississippi State. But he, obviously, that Florida job came open. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's just jobs you don't take. Like the Ohio State defensive coordinator – just took the Boston College job. Well, didn't you learn anything from Ash that took the Rutgers job three years ago? You're going to be unemployed very soon. You know, you have to be careful. That's tough. But, hey, you know, Lane Kiffin took that job at Ole Miss. And one I thing about like, I guarantee you that he's going to have recruits in there. He's have his offense going. 
And he kind of made they kind of made a little a few headlines like within the last day or so because they hired DJ Durkin, you know, former coach at Maryland, who uh, ended up getting fired after uh, the one kid offensive lineman McNeil, I think his last name is McNeil, um, ended up dying um, after I guess after a conditioning practice where I guess his body temperature got up to like 106 degrees. So I'm trying to figure yeah. out. Yeah, they they hired it and the parents under the kids the kids' parents was basically like, you know, we just hope that that, you know, basically he's learned his lesson and he, you know, makes sure he takes the utmost care of other people's kids. You know, make sure that that's, you know, first and foremost. So I don't know. Like I've seen I've seen Durkin and how yeah, he's coaching Michigan and he's a good coach. He is, he seems like he's one of those intense, really intense coaches. So if there was like a conditioning practice, and if this kid, I can picture it, if he was, you know, if he made it through like a portion of the one tens they were running and couldn't make it through the rest, I could see him flipping out about it and making a kid run still or try to run through it, and you know, not having the kid's best interest at heart if they're out there in hundred some degree, hundred some degree weather, running. You know, it's just crazy to think that. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Have you, have you ever been in a situation like that where you thought you have that kind of heat exhaustion or whatever? Because if your body temperature is 106 degrees, you know, at some point in time, the trainer's got to see something, right? Yeah, you should. But, you know, when you're out there, you're going to push through. I mean, a lot of people, you know, yeah, that's they're going to keep playing. It's football. It's not easy. I mean, you got to think. I mean, we played small college football, and there's a ton of people on the team out there running everything like that. You don't know. Yeah, who and, you know, and, could be that state or not? And I'll bet you that it wasn't just it wasn't just coaches. I'm sure like his teammates were like, "Come on, let's go, let's just do this. We're almost done." Trying to get him through it one way or another, as far as that. But yeah, it's just a tough spot. So I mean, he is coaching again, which you knew was going to happen because I mean he he is a good coach. Yeah, he had Maryland turning around. And well, uh, if you recall, Maryland wanted to keep him, but after the Maryland made the announcement to keep him, there was such backlash they had to let him go. Right, right. Because the president, when the president of the university wanted to let him go, and but that leg department said we want to keep him. And I said then there was a whole there was all the backlash. And like, all right, after backlash, we have to let him go. So, so let me ask you this though: since we're talking about Mississippi, how bad do you think Saban is going to beat Lane Kiffin next year? We're <laughs> talking 30, 35 points. I mean, how many is he going to try to score on him? I don't know because. From this season, Alabama couldn't – they had issues stopping the run. It's not just the Alabama defense of old. You know what I mean? Now, if Dylan Moses comes back, which he said he wants to come back, and then his dad, his lawyer, is like, no. He still needs to talk to his team about what's – or, you know, his inner circle about what's going to be best for him. If Dylan Moses comes back, he's a difference maker on defense. But he was out this whole season with torn ACL, and before the ACL injury, he was a first-round draft grade. So, well, lucky he took out an insurance policy on it. So, they're waiting to see how much he's going to get back from the insurance policy and try to figure out what's going to be best for him. Yeah, but you got to remember, too, it's Alabama. If you look at the recruiting rankings this year, well, they got 20 of the top 300 players. I mean, they're going to be fine. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, they'll, they'll be okay. But, yeah, that first season, uh, it, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, yeah, Saban might hang up 60 on them. <laughs> no, I can't wait. <laughs> Lane Kiffin makes it interesting because you never know what he's going to say. Right. You know, he definitely. He, he went to Alabama. He kind of kept it quiet. But if you watch their games, like Saban and, and Saban kind of gave it to Lane Kiffin during games. 
But you see him give him a look like, what are you doing? I'm about to backhand you in the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it, I'd like to do two shout-outs for the Bulls series, too. Two shout-outs here. Two Ohio podcast. Yeah, I'm going to give some love to Cincinnati for its domination over BC. You hey, got Rob getting that bowl game. You should have got a better bowl game than that, but you took care of business anyway. Do you agree? I do. I do. They're they're holding it down for sure. So, you know, good for them. And then me being from Akron, I got to show some love for Kent State. First bowl victory. Dude, good you know for what? them. I was in a bowl picking. I'm like, there's no way they're going to win this game. They're six. They're they were like maybe five and seven, maybe six and six. They were six and six because you got to be that, and they end seven and six with a victory over Utah State. Much love for Kent State out there yeah, getting it hey, done. I don't hey. even want to talk about Akron football, but Kent State's getting it turned around. There's the golden flashes. They're holding it down. Now that you can't you can't fear the root right now. Akron football, not the same right now. They have some they have some rebuilding to do. Oh man, you know like the Zips, but man. You lost the Pillow Bowl this year to UMass. You are the <laughs> of Division One football. So if you hear me out there, you are the bottom of Division One football in Northeast Ohio. When there's enough players within 15 miles to make you a 500 team, let's get it together. <laughs> oh, that's great. So true, though. So true. So, all right, we're, we're gonna. Talk a little bit about the, the college football playoff. Um, like I said, we didn't go over the Ohio State Clemson game. Um, uh, Ohio State, I know everybody's talking about the calls in the second half, like the targeting penalty, and then the fumble that wasn't called a fumble or it was reversed. You know, when uh, whenever they made they called Clemson the fumble and they took it back to the house for for a touchdown. I'll have to say first half. They hit too many field goals when they should have scored touchdowns. They got in the red zone. They got in inside the five, I'm pretty sure, and they couldn't score. So, I mean, that's tough. They let them hang around. They let Clemson hang around when they could have probably put it away in the first quarter, to be honest with you. Oh, the way that game started, it looked like it was going to be similar to the uh, other playoff game, the way it right. started. Right. But, you could tell Clemson hadn't played nobody like that because of their schedule, and it took them some time to adjust. Yeah, they had to adjust. Once they adjusted, though, hey, they were there. They were there. Oh. How about Trevor Lawrence? I didn't know he had that kind of speed. He's galloping like a deer. Hey, <laughs> that's what legends do. 259 yards passing, two touchdowns, 107 yards rushing in one touchdown against that Ohio State defense that all just left for the NFL here the last couple of days. Yep. A uh, lot of love there. I think uh, him and Fields will be seeing each other again next year, but impressive yeah. performance. No, it, it was. It was impressive and everything. What do you think about the, the referees? What do you think about the officials, the calls? Like, do you think that the targeting was targeting? Yeah, it was targeting. I hate it. I hate the call. It was kind of a game-changing moment. Right. I think Clemson's quarterback even admitted to that. Uh, it's always – see, here's the thing. You can argue that the quarterback is lowering to crouch up for the hit. Right. And I agree with that. But as a defender, if that guy would have just led with his face mask instead of the crown of his helmet, it'd have been an okay hit. He, See, you can't put your head down. Well, that's that's the thing because that 
to me, that's what I feel like the NCAA is trying to get the players to get away from. Like, if he even if he didn't lead with his face mask, if he were gone in and just hit him with his shoulder, it's not gonna make a difference. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. all. That's, that's ultimately what they want everybody. They want everybody hitting with their shoulders, not their helmet. You know, and it's know, tough because these guys are so fast and moving so fast. You see these replays, and you know, people are like, "Oh, why didn't he do this?" You know how fast that is moving. If you right. played, you know. It's yeah. moving fast. It, it's tough. So, uh, in the and you know what? To bring up the uh, the fumble overturn, same thing. When you watch that thing in fast motion, yeah. you had that for what a second. Yeah, it was long. Motion, it looks like it was a, a fumble, right? Right. Because they said like, he he didn't make a football move. What you watch in regular speed, which that when they watch replays, that's how they watch it. They don't watch in slow motion. They watch in regular speed. He didn't make a football move. He was running back. He tried to catch it. He he took three steps, yes, but it was it was, it was bang bang. So it was hard to call it like a true catch. Now in slow motion, hundred percent looked like a catch. Had control of it. Took three steps. You know, would have been a fumble. But my problem with it is they overturned the call. If they'd have kept the call that they made one way or the other, I yeah. could have lived with it. Yeah, no, there I, definitely was not enough to overturn that. Right. No, I, I will agree there. I think that. It, it in my eyes, it probably wasn't a catch, but if they called it like a, a fumble and then scoop and score touchdown, they should have left the one. They shouldn't, have, they should not have reversed it at all. So that was tough. I know a lot of the house state fans that I saw out there on social media, they were talking about it. That's what they're saying. They're definitely upset about it, but you know, it's, it's tough. Well, you know, the refs are always easy scapegoats for losses, but the refs, uh, weren't playing on Clemson's red zone defense. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I mean, I mean that you know, he had 174 yards rushing, fields 320 yards passing. I mean Ohio State, you know, I never say should have won that game because you didn't, but you know, stats say otherwise. So, you know, that's what happens. They when even you- they were even driving down the field and they had a chance to win it at the end. And it was just a miscommunication between Fields and his receiver. I know Olave is a good player too, and I think he took the blame for the uh, play. Uh, but you hate to see that happen at the end. And and that was like bang bang, you know what I mean? Like it, it like the receiver he probably did change his mind a little, like a half second late if you're watching it. But if you would have kept on his route, it, it just would have been a fifty fifty ball. So would have given him a chance. So he probably saw it. He just probably saw it just a little bit too late. And by then, Fields like all right, he's doing it, and he let it go. And it was just bad. It was just bad timing. And yeah, how much time clock at that point too? Uh, they had time for more plays, I believe, right? Yeah, I think they would have had time for for more plays. But yeah, I think they're trying. You know, he saw it. He had single coverage, or he would have had single coverage. You know what I mean? It, it's just it's tough. Yeah, credit to Clemson though for a school didn't. I mean, the ACC looked a little better than we thought. Uh, some of the ACC teams played better in the bowl games than I expected, like North Carolina, who played, you know, Clemson to one point earlier in the year, just dismantled Temple, who, you know, I thought had a pretty decent defense. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, the Ville beat Mississippi State, beat an SEC team. So, I mean, they had some moments. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week, though. Obviously, you know, you saw, you saw LSU rolled Oklahoma. What Joe Burrow? Do you have what six touchdown passes in the first half and a rushing touchdown too? He threw for like four hundred yards. 
493 yards, seven touchdowns through the air. I mean, what was it, 49 to 20, 49 to 14 or something at halftime? I mean, yeah. I never, you know, it just shows that, you know, four, four teams is probably enough. I mean, right. I don't it, know. Yeah, especially this year. Usually the, the two teams usually are the cream of the crop, or at least three teams are usually the cream of the crop, and there's a four team you have to throw in there, you know, where it's like, it, they usually get ran out the building. So, but this is where it's flawed too. That four team is usually a Big Twelve team. When are people going to wake up? I'm telling you right now, there's a couple teams in the Big Ten and a couple teams in the SEC that would have played that team a whole lot better than Oklahoma did. And that's where you can have an argument for eight teams because right. Oklahoma always gets in playing that weak Big Twelve schedule. Uh, you know, I know they beat Baylor twice, but Georgia, an unmotivated Georgia team, showed you what Baylor had. So right. it's just – it's really frustrating that Oklahoma always gets in. Oklahoma players always win the Heisman. I mean, and then you get to the playoffs, and we're all excited for the final four games, and it's been hyped up for weeks, and everybody's having parties, and the game's over in the first five minutes, Right. Right. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is. Oklahoma was, you know, they had a loss at Kent State. They didn't have to put them in. The problem is a lot of the better teams in them had two losses. So, yep. you know, I mean, Alabama almost beat LSU. Remember that game? Uh, you know, LSU had some tougher games. Even Ole Miss gave them a, a way better game than Oklahoma did. Right. So, yeah, no, that's true. You know, I'll get off my Big 12 soapbox, but you guys get all you get, you get the message. <laughs> I was waiting to see when the when the Pac-10 are going to come back. You know, wait to see. If, Oregon's if you, pretty good. You have Oregon, Washington, their suspect, and their coach stepped down, basically from just the grind that got to them. You know, which is tough. College football coach being is tough. The fighting, the the fighting Herms, the Herman Edwards. You know, they're they're on the up and up. They're Arizona State. <laughs> yeah, I've even heard his name thrown around in the NFL a little bit, but uh yeah, I mean the Pac twelve I think is getting better. There's no doubt about it. Uh Washington was one of the biggest disappointments in college football this year, though, and that was probably weighing on the coach and uh they have that quarterback. He's listed as the fourth best prospect, I think, uh for the NFL, and yeah. it just didn't work. He's the transfer from Georgia. He got beat out by uh Jake Fromm, you know, because he played as a freshman at Georgia, and then once Fromm got there, he was gone. He was on the bench, so he left because he knew he wasn't playing. Yeah. So there's there's something wrong with him. He is he's big kid, strong arm, but he's not an NFL quarterback. He might be an NFL backup, but he's not like he's not gonna be an NFL starter. Yeah, he's rated number four. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm a little leery of all the quarterbacks. I'm leery of every quarterback. Uh, I'm even a little – I mean, I think Burroughs is the real deal, but his team's so much better than everybody else's. But the one, even the defenses, he was lighting them up. So the one, thing, the one thing about them is it's not like he was just dinking and dunking. Like, he was driving the ball down the field when he threw the ball. So, he does – It's a beautiful football, man. It is. He, he, You know what? He's bigger than I thought he was. I didn't realize he was 6'4", but he's a pretty big dude. Oh, you yeah, and he moves well. And if you watch, we talked about this last week, Oklahoma's D-line was getting to him early, but he moves around the pocket and makes plays on yeah. the run. Uh, yep. 
I hate to make this comparison, but, you know, that's what Johnny Manziel did at Texas A&M when he was lighting up the college world. He was throwing rockets and darts on the run. Yeah, but Burrow seems a little more controlled. Like, Johnny Manziel is running out there, like, with his hair on fire, just making plays. You know what I mean? Yep, dropping 50 on Alabama. You know, that's that's not easy to do. That's why Burrow's got a bullet. That's why he's Johnny Football. That's right. Hey, that's why you get a nickname like Johnny Football. So that's yeah, right. That's how that goes. All right. Yep. Well, we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make a prediction. I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna be if you're gonna be on for next week's podcast or not. We're gonna make a prediction at some point in time. I haven't even seen the line, so we might have to figure that out at some point about making a prediction before the game. Um, that takes place in about a week and a half. So. We'll we'll figure okay. we'll, we'll figure it out between now and the next podcast. So yeah, I got to think about it. Obviously, LSU is going to be favored, but uh, you know. But Clemson, they're defending champs. Lawrence has never lost a game. You know, they held up against Ohio State's tough defense. Like they surprised me a little bit. But like I said, LSU, they look like a juggernaut. At least on offense, on defense, they still look suspect. So they do. They do. And one more thing on the game, you know, about Oklahoma, I will say this. I like Jalen Hurts. Uh, If I'm an NFL team and can get him a little later and I need a quarterback, he's definitely a guy I would look at. He's big. He's fast. He squats 700 pounds. He's a winner. Uh, I hope this too much isn't held against him in that game because you're only as good as the players around you when you're in that situation. Right. No, that's true. And he's, he's definitely proved himself a lot as a passer. You know, from the time he started at Alabama to this year, you know, he's he's made huge improvements as a passer. So I give him props for, you know, when he was there, sucking it up, being the backup, making himself better, and going and improving his stock. You know, not a lot of kids do that. A lot of kids just transfer right away. But, you know, he stuck with it, stuck with the program, believed in himself, and, uh, you know, went and, and showed everybody he could play. And I think he yeah, – that's a testament to him. I give him props for sure because – yeah, that that was a, probably a tough pill to swallow to to lose your starting spot in the SEC championship game to a freshman, and then lose your lose it for the you know the next season as well. So he stuck with it, believed himself, worked on himself to get better at what he wasn't as good at, and he showed he can play. And I'll give him props. I don't know if he's necessarily NFL quarterback, but he should at least get the opportunity. And you know, well, let me ask you this. I- I'll tell you this. I would take him over Herbert and Eason from Washington. Yes, I agree. I, I agree 100% on that. I'm, I'm both of them. So, you know, I look at all these quarterbacks. I heard some talk about the Utah State quarterback, but he's two in my book behind Burroughs. Now, I'm no quarterback guru or anything like that, but I just use the eye test and, and see the physical ability and the winning. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy I would consider. No, I, I agree. Like I said, I'm just I'm just going by the eye test, and no quarterbacks impressed me with the eye test besides Burrow, and um, you know, and Jalen Hurts. You know, he holds it down as long as he's able to run a little bit. But if he gets drafted by somebody and they construct the offense kind of like what Baltimore did with uh, Lamar Jackson around his athletic ability, and he's a pretty big guy. You know, he's not as freakish athletic as Jackson, but you know, he he can definitely run the ball like he's a running back if he needs to, but he can throw it too. So. Well, he's a he's a state champion power lifter, I think. Like right. I said, his first day of – it's one of the best videos in college football, watching him get to Oklahoma and lift with the linemen, squat 700 pounds. Talk about getting your teammates fired up. 
Right. It's like yeah, Tim see, Tebow's stuff right there. <laughs> I, I would have no desire to try to squat 700 pounds. So, <laughs> uh, I think I got my 475. Maybe it was, yeah, it was like four, maybe it was 495. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, anything over 400, my, it, it was getting a little rough. I'd do it, but yeah. Never got the five myself. I don't yeah. think I needed to prove anything. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. All right, let's see. What are we looking at? All right, let's let's move on to the NFL. Move on to the NFL. Talking about this wild card weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Um, looking at the AFC, starting out Buffalo, and they're playing Houston. And it looks like J.J. Watt might be back for this game after tearing his pec. Can you imagine that, tearing your pectoral muscle, and all of a sudden you're not out for the season, but you come back like a few months later? I mean, that's a little crazy. Yeah, right? modern medicine's amazing, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I will give it that, but – I mean, what do you think about this game? Because Buffalo has a solid defense. And, I mean, their offense isn't awesome, but, I mean, Josh Allen's gotten better for sure. And Uh, Houston's defense is not good. Well, here's the thing about Houston. And if you pick the games every week, they are the hardest team to pick because you do not know who's going to show up. That's true. The Mountains spank somebody good like the Patriots in the following week. I forget who it was, but just totally lay an egg. Their yep. offense does nothing. Sometimes they light up the scoreboard. Sometimes they can't score. I, I don't get it. O'Brien's a good coach. I mean, I, Deshaun Watson, I think, is not – he's kind of been lost a little bit with these other quarterbacks playing how they are. Right. Uh, I think he's got the ability. Uh, this game's in Texas. And great for the Bills. I mean, the Bills are who I'm rooting for in the playoffs. I'm happy for them to get in there. I liked right. Josh Allen coming out of college. So yeah, I didn't like it. I thought, good. I thought he was the big kid that could just chuck it down the field. I think he could – I think he was going to translate to NFL. I was wrong. I mean, he's, he's, he's a runner. He's not scared to go out there and lower his head. He's like a more athletic Tim Tebow. <laughs> no, and that is a big dude. Like, yeah. look at him in the huddle when he's standing in the huddle with the Bills linemen. He is huge, he's, he's and that people will run you over yep. <laughs> when you watch them games, you know. And he's physical, and he's got a cannon arm, and he did something people said you can't do, which is improve your accuracy. Right. Um, he's been better there. I forget the exact percentage right now, but he's been better. Uh, that defense is solid. If the game was in Buffalo, I would probably pick them. Bromley and Texans in this one. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I agree. If it was in Buffalo, they're playing in the snow. It suits them best. But, you know, they're down there in Texas. They're going to be in the Dome. You know, Deshaun Watson's going to – he's going to get his at some point, him and um, Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, they'd be better off if they had uh, Will Fuller in the lineup. I think he's hurt. I don't think he's going to end up playing. He's always been injury prone. When he plays, he's great. But, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I agree. I think Houston's going to take this game as well. So, it'll be interesting I to see, though. One for sure. It's definitely going to be close. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points. Right. Uh, I agree. With you. But, you know, like it's tough though. I mean, I guess you know, Houston, like I said, Houston's defense isn't all that great, but Buffalo they don't put a bunch of points either. So like, you're you're probably right. It's probably going to be. I don't think it's going to be over 25 points you know, for both teams. It'll be it'll be less than that. So it definitely won't be a shootout. Yeah, I'm thinking Texans 24, Bills 17, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, in the other game in the AFC is Tennessee at New England. 
So this is – I think New England has never won a Super Bowl when they have been a wild-card team. So – and the real only reason they're a wild-card team is because they took an L to the Dolphins. Fitz Magic put it on them. And I love Fitz Magic. He can beat anybody at any time. He's a gambler's nightmare. <laughs> and you know what? He has scored the highest score ever on the Wonderlick test. That's your fun fact. Yeah. Today. That is. And he went to where? He went Harvard. to Harvard. Harvard. He's a smart dude. But he looks crazy. Yeah, he, with, he looks crazy with the beard. Looks like he looks crazy, ready to have some beers and have a good time. That's what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, smart as he is, he doesn't look too smart out there when he's launching four interceptions in a game. And he'll come back and light you up for five touchdown passes the next. He will. Yeah. Um, he, has, he has. He has zero memory. I'll give him that. He has. He has the the Brett Favre memory when it comes to throwing the football. I'll give him that. <laughs> and I give Miami coach Flores a lot of credit. Uh, the obviously the kid from UCLA wasn't working out. Uh, it was god-awful football. That they won five games with that roster is impressive. I yep. think uh, they're heading in the right direction if they can find their quarterback. Right. Josh Rosen just needs to be able to be on a decent team with a decent coach that coached them for more than a season. He might be a lost, uh, lost cause at this point. I didn't, lo- I didn't love him in college either. I thought he was a little cocky. And he has he has the measurables, but I think sometimes yeah, he's pretty for six seven games in the Pac ten. I mean Pac twelve, whatever you want to call it now. Hey, um, he did he did have a hot tub in his dorm room when he was a freshman, though. I mean that's impressive. It's good to be the quarterback, man. I never said that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. hating. All right, no, that's funny. But yeah, so Tennessee, New England. I mean, you think Tennessee can have New England's number? I mean, it's in New England, so that probably helps them out. But Tennessee's game is going to equate to whatever weather is happening out there, you know, because Derrick no. Henry is going to be toting the rock. And Tannehill's made a huge difference for them once they got rid of – or once they benched Mariota and brought in Tannehill. I mean, they're making plays. And what's the name? A.J. Uh, – the receiver, A.J. Brown. He's a rookie, and he's holding it down. He, he held it down my fantasy squad on the back half of the season. So – Oh, Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Uh, this would be my lock if there wasn't another game we're going to talk about soon. But I'm all over the pats in this. It's in New England. They're tough at home. Uh, I love Rabel as a coach. I love what Tannehill's doing. I like Tennessee's defense. Uh, I like what they're doing. They're not going to win in New England. I think this is a two-touchdown But uh, New England has no off- win. They have no offense. Hey, this is Belichick and Brady. Every year we say that they can't score, and then they come in and light somebody up. Uh, I'm not getting fooled again. Uh, <laughs> I'm all over the Pats on this one. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think the Pats are going to win this too. You know, as much as I, I think Tennessee can't give them a run for their money because they can't play the kind of ball that's going to match the Patriots, I think the Patriots will figure out a way, the evil empire. So Yeah, they'll figure out a way. I love Henry. I don't know if he's 100% healthy. He sure looked like it in that last game when he took the rushing title from uh, the Browns' chub. Yeah. So he, got, he, had that one, he had that one game rest, and he came out like world beater when he came back. So, Yeah, he's an impressive dude. I didn't know if he would be a great NFL back either because of the way he runs straight up and down. Big right. guy like that usually doesn't work, uh, but he's been a player. Yeah, it works for him, though. He, he – He's definitely a stronger runner than I thought. And like I said, I thought the same thing. I was wondering how it's gonna work out for him being six two or six three, you know, running straight up and down like that. But you know, it's, it's working out just fine. He's and they're giving him the they're giving him the ball like he's Eddie George. You know what I mean? 
So oh, he's, yeah. he's been carrying it. So Yep. I like it, but I'm still on the paths on this one. I can't yeah. be convinced otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm looking at the NFC now. You know, there's Minnesota at New Orleans. I think New Orleans will come out there and light up the scoreboard against them, personally. This is my lock of the week. I got Saints 31-10. There is no way because <laughs> it's going down to New Orleans and beating the Saints. Especially, it's not going to happen. It's nah. not going to happen. Especially with Dalvin Cook hurt. You know, their defense has been suspect. No, nah, I agree. I think the Saints are going to put it on them. I think they scored Kamara's a ton of points. Be running wild. Michael Thomas is going to have 15 catches. It's going to get ugly early. And then we're going to hear all about Cousins can't play quarterback. You know? Okay. You, all right. Sorry about that. Everybody, that's my fault. I actually hit a button. It cut off the podcast. I had to get Dane back on the line. We're back. I don't know what we're talking about, but we're talking about, I think we're talking about New Orleans putting on Minnesota. So, yes, we are. <laughs> we're both, we're both in agreement. We're putting that as a lock. There's no way that Kirk Cousins in Minnesota is going to get on New Orleans and beat Drew Brees and the Saints. Not happening. Dane said 31 10. It's a lock. Hey, I'm with it. Put on the board. I agree 100%. So, me and my technical difficulties actually accidentally hitting buttons that I couldn't be hitting. But that's how it goes <laughs> down. And uh, that's what happens when I have my phone in my hand. So I just hope that the rest of the podcast was recorded. Because if not, I'm going to be mad. But it should be. So all Yeah, right, I fine. think it was recording. So I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're all right. So everybody, if you hear a little pause or a little break whenever we go, whenever I put it all together, that's why it's on me. Blame me. But lastly – you got Seattle Seahawks again at Philadelphia. What do you think about that? Because Wentz is throwing basically dudes on the street. <laughs> well, I hear all the talk. Obviously, I'm in Philly country here in Allentown, just an hour up the road. Right. Uh, so I see all the games, like all the games. You know, I usually watch them all, but the Eagles are always on. That's what the people are talking about. Uh, Wentz hasn't been tested in the playoffs. The Eagles squad as a whole kind of has. Uh, they have a lot of injuries, but the Eagles, they've come on tough, strong here, you know, the second half of the season. Now, they've beat a bunch of sorry teams in a sorry division, but they still won the games. Seahawks have to come from Seattle, win in Philly. That crowd is going to be crazy. Um, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I feel like Philly fans are half nuts. Seahawks. <laughs> Yeah, they are. And <laughs> the Seahawks, you know, they've had some letdowns this year. Uh, I don't know if uh, maybe that loss to the 49ers took a little bit out of them here on Sunday night. So they're, you know, working against that. Right. Um, it It's hard to pick against Russell Wilson, uh, MVP candidate, playing the way he is. Uh, man, I don't know. This is my non-lock of the week, if there's such a thing. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Seahawks 21, Eagles 20, and hopefully nobody in my area is listening to this right now. <laughs> we, we will see about that. But um, the real question is, what's the over-under on the number of touchdowns that Marshawn Lynch has? Over-under two. Under. Under. Beast mode's not going to make a return. You might see him uh, out there with that Cali style. He might be out there, you know, 
um, ghost riding the, the the golf cart like he did back in college? I mean, dude was off for what a year and a half. You know how he probably feels like hammered stuff right now after playing last week, right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, probably, that, that's probably true. A little probably. older, he was looking a little thicker than normal. Um, <laughs> I, the Seahawks running game didn't look too great last week or the week before. I'm gonna say under. Yeah, this I'm is gonna have to Russell Wilson. My projection prediction is the Eagles are gonna hold a lead, and Russell Wilson's gonna do his thing in the fourth. Yeah, I think the emotion of the crowd and everything is going to be insane. I've watched games in the Philly Stadium. I watched them smoke the Browns on an opener three years ago. That place is wild. I think the Eagles are going to ride that momentum early. But I think the injuries are going to catch up with them. If Ertz can't play, they're definitely not winning. They have to have him at tight end. Yeah, and and they don't have a defense. So, the Seattle should be able to go out there and score some points. So – I don't know, and we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm with you. I think Seattle's going to get the win. I think Russ Wilson's going to show up. Carson Wentz to pull the team as far as he has. You know, I'll give him some props. Him and Miles Sanders and Greg Ward. He was he was a late pickup by me. I, I definitely appreciate that. But um, and I'll tell you uh, what. <laughs> no, nah, I I think Seattle's going to get the win. That's all I was going to say. I think Wentz and Cousins are the quarterbacks under the most pressure here. Uh, you know, Wentz just got done watching his backup win a Super Bowl and probably would have did it again last year if Aguilar doesn't drop that ball. Because that's, that's where it was headed again. <laughs> I mean, he was doing it again. It was something to watch. He had everybody uh, believing for sure. Yeah, so you got that the last two years you're dealing with if you're Carson Wentz. And I think he's handled it well this year. The Eagles weren't as good as I thought they'd be, but injuries had a lot to do with that. Cousins. Oh, Cousins. Eh, dude makes a lot of money. I mean, he's he's got to win this game, and he's not going to. So, <laughs> I don't hey, know what you think about that. <laughs> I, I don't know. He probably does have to win this game, but they paid him a lot of money. He made a lot of money before because Washington didn't want to give him a, a long-term deal. When it's all said and done, he's an NFL quarterback. He's made bank, so he's cool with it because he has the – You don't pay the, quarterbacks that kind of money for a 10-6 and six record and a first-round exit. Hey, guaranteed money, too. Yeah, <laughs> it's guaranteed. Our favorite kind. Yeah, exactly. You don't see that too often in the NFL. So no. that, that was good work by him. Good work by him. Now, one thing I did want to bring up to you, it's, it's outside the playoffs. I saw an article saying that Scott Boris has surpassed $1 billion for uh, the amount of contracts signed in his career. That he that he put together and got signed or closed deals on one billion dollars. Think about that, man. Think about, all right, think about it. he closing that. Say that he gets like three percent of that. That's a chunk. Just from that, you know, uh, he probably has more than that. I'd like to see his house. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it's nice. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. Have, That's uh, should have gone to law school and became a sports agent. Well, there's a million people that do, and there's only one Boris, and you know maybe the other guy in baseball. What's his name? Uh, oh, can't yeah. think of it right now. I can picture him. I can't think of his name right yeah. now. Either. Yeah, there's two of them out there making all the money. You know. Well, Drew Rosenhaus. Drew Rosenhaus is trying to step in a little bit, but he's kind of slimy for me. <laughs> That's who I was thinking of, Drew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
No, yeah, Wasn't but, he uh, Terrell Owens' uh, agent and stuff, yeah. Hulk, all that stuff? <laughs> yeah, he, he's Antonio Brown's agent. You know, Antonio Brown had that workout with the Saints. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should have him do sit-ups outside of his house in the parking lot and have all the cameras come out and everything. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. You know what I mean? Wouldn't yeah. surprise me. AB's not doing that. Yeah. He's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not some circus, but <laughs> – Yeah. Oh man, yeah. So you know that that's crazy. One billion. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not a bad life. You're on sports, you're getting negotiate contracts all the time, close deals, make bank. Not a bad life. Not a bad life. Not a bad man. So, Nelly, thanks for talking. I know this is kind of a sports heavy uh, podcast. I swear to all the listeners out there, at some point in time, it won't be a sports heavy. But this is football season. Come to the end of football season, and what can I say? We love football. And that's just what it is. So um, I'm trying to think what I want. If there's anything else I want to say, is there anything else you want to say? We promise, we promise some NBA. We'll get to the NBA as we, soon as all this football is over. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, we just finished college bowl season. NFL playoffs are starting. National championship games next week or the next Monday, the following Monday. You know, based on the month of January is football. We'll probably start, you know, sprinkling some basketball, which – I'm going to have to start watching and figuring out what's what uh, as far as everything so I can speak confidently about it. Um, you, you know what, Dan, I've got to tell you one thing that uh, that I noticed. I noticed it last year, but uh, my son, Caden, he loves watching hockey. Loves watching hockey. He'll drop everything to watch hockey. So I love it, too, and I'm glad you brought it up because if, uh, since this is being, you know, big Ohio topics on this, Blue Jackets on a 12-game point streak. Just beat Boston last night. If you like some hockey right now, they're the hottest team in the league, and they're three points out of the wild card. Unfortunately, Caden yeah. likes the Penguins, right? Nah, I don't think so. He's not He's not tied to a team right now. He, he was, it was the Predators, but he's not tied to it. So we'll see how it goes. I don't know. It's Popeye Jones' son, Seth Jones. He had a good pass on that goal last night. Yeah, he did. He's the best player on a team of uh, not a lot of stars. Eleven people before that game have been on injured reserve or whatever you call it in hockey. Yep. $28 million worth of salaries on the bench, and they keep winning. That is called a GM right there. When you can keep <laughs> plugging spots and keep winning, that's a GM and coach. They should hire that guy for the Browns right now. He can he can <laughs> have 11 spots. And win t- and get twelve points, you know, twelve pointed games in a row. Beat right. the Capitals twice in that streak, and beat Boston at Boston last night with a bunch of guys that played for the AHL Monsters. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's true, man. It's so true. So I- I'll probably start, you know, watching them a little bit more, trying to see what's going on. And you know, until until you know, baseball season comes along, and you can start trying to believe in the Reds again because they're trying to make moves. We'll talk about that later on too, though. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so well Dane appreciate you coming back out if you ever come back out next week we look forward to it and uh, I don't know got anything else to say no that's it man uh, bummer for Ohio State fans but you know next year Fields is back so do not worry that's true the, the, I'm sure they'll reload and hopefully Michigan can try to figure out something too so we'll see what's good on that alright man well have a good one All right, man. Talk to you soon.
All right, everybody, we're here for my favorite segment, hopefully yours too, Relax and Take Notes. And today, I honestly, I just want to give a shout out to my quarterback from college, Brett Dietz. He just got the head coaching job at DePaul University in Indiana. He had been working there, I believe, for seven years. Might have been the offense coordinator for seven years uh, under Bill Lynch. Bill Lynch used to be, uh, I think, the head coach at, uh, I think, Miami at some point in time. Um, But I know he was a great coach there, and I know that Brett learned a lot under him. And he had been the offense coordinator there for a little bit. And things have been going well for for him and the program and everything. And I know that... um, I think he's, he's a great coach and he's going to be a great head coach. I knew he's a great player. He's one of the best players, best athletes I've ever uh, been around and played with. So, like I said, super happy for him. I know he's going to be leading DePaul in the right direction um, as far as the next level uh, from what he's already learned from Coach Lynch and everything. So, um, you know, Brett, congratulations, man. I'll be paying attention to see what's going on and, um, you know, just add another thing to your resume, man. Uh, so congratulations on that. Um, thanks for everybody for listening to the show. Uh, have any questions, hit me up. If you want to have any comments, hit me up. Facebook is, I'm sorry, on Twitter at franchise 1122 on Instagram. It's at Terrell Dwayne 11 and on Facebook. It's just Terrell Cummins. You try to find me out there if you want. So, uh, appreciate Dan coming on. We always had good times. Always good at uh, speaking with him, talking sports with him, and everything. Like I said, it's football seasons towards the end of the season, so kind of bittersweet a little bit that our favorite sport, favorite time of year is coming to an end. But it's all good. That's how it goes. Appreciate everybody listening. Look forward to next week. Don't know who's going to be on. Might be Dane, might be DJ, might be someone else. You'll have to be surprised. So, once again, thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Later.